Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 95, Love Hard with Gaylene Moyers. Before we jump into the interview that I have for you today, I want to remind you that by the time this airs, tomorrow night, we're doing a webinar. We've got our Build a Life After Loss webinar. These webinars are so awesome and helpful because you get to visually see some of the things we talk about on the podcast as well as we just go deeper. And this week we're going to talk about the left brain, the right brain, how how they interact with grief and how to lean into that because grief is really supposed to be part of our healing journey, but we see it as a problem. And so if we kind of understand a little better, we can we can work with it instead of against it. We'll also be talking about the thought, feeling, behavior cycle, and how that is affected by grief and, and the things that you can do to work with that. So super informative. I hope you'll join us. You can register at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y backslash B-L-A-L September. And that's with a capital S spelled out September. So again, bit.ly backslash B-L-A-L September with a capital S. All right. I want to introduce you to Gaylene. I met her through a mutual friend and she is a wife. She's a mom of eight. She's a GG to 13. Her family is her greatest treasure and joy. And she is a survivor of child loss and she helps others in their journey to find joy after the loss of a child as well. She's a grief support coach where she uses nature to assist in the healing process. She loves all things outdoors, especially hiking, camping, paddleboarding, and has recently fallen in love with mountain biking. She founded the Kylie Bruce Memorial Foundation and Love Hard Project. That's the name of this podcast, Love Hard. The Love Hard Project is in memory. These foundations are in memory of her daughter, Kylie. She is working on her program called Tell Grief to Take a Hike, which is due soon if it's not out already. So let's jump right into the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Gaylene. We're excited to have you here. And I've got Gaylene Moyers with me. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your story and and what happened and, and your, you know, let's just hear what happened first. Okay. So, um... December 20th, 2016, um, we lost our 24-year-old daughter in a car accident. She was, I think, 18 weeks pregnant with her first baby. Wow. Um, And they still really don't know what happened, whether it was just, um, it was snowy outside, but not super slick. And um, she just like lost control and went across um, two lanes of traffic and then was like hit in the passenger side um, of her car, which um, broke her neck. And so she pretty much passed immediately. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was headed to play basketball. (laughs) Say that again. She was headed to play basketball in another, in another town that was pretty close by. Wow. Wow. So did your daughter live near you or? 
So she lived at the time, we probably lived about three and a half hours away from each other or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And her brothers were the ones that were actually contacted. Well, she, so she was going to play basketball and she was going to pick up a friend and her phone wasn't working. And so her friend, um, Kristen called um, her called Kylie, that's my daughter, called Kylie's boyfriend and said, hey, you know, Kylie's not here yet. Um, Do you know, you know, when did she leave? Is she gone yet? And he said, yeah. And so then Kristen called back a little bit later and then he got a little bit worried. And so out the door and they lived um, kind of like right on, right off of the highway. And so he looked out and saw these lights and everything um, and traffic backed up. And so um, he just it was only about, gosh, like a half a mile or a quarter of a mile from their house. And so he just, you know, ran, ran down the road thinking that she was just stuck in traffic because there was an accident. And then eventually found out that um, it was actually Kai that was in the accident. My word. Mm. So how did you find out? So, um, when Brandon found out, he called my sons who lived a little bit closer than I did to, um, to them. And so my oldest son is the one that called me mm-hmm. and about him. I was at, um, a lady's house that I took care of, um, each night after work who had had a stroke. And so he called me, um, right as I was leaving work from, from her house and let me know. My word. So how, how did, tell me a little bit about your response and how that felt and what that looked like for you. Well, um, you know, first of all, when he, when he called me, he said, Hey, you know, kind of made some small talk and, um, and then he said, I, I, you know, have some news that's not so good. And my first thought was that it was um, his wife because she is, was from Mexico, is from Mexico and she had just gotten her driver's license. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, my bear and the girls have been in a car accident. So I, my first thought was, oh my gosh, how am I going to, um, how am I going to soothe this? How am I going to soothe my son, you know, from the, from an accident? So I was trying to figure out how I was going to serve him. And then, um, and then he told me the news and then it just, you know, I had to completely turn that around and be like, Oh, (laughs) this is me. That's having this problem now. Um, so I pulled over to the side of the road and, um, you know, I just, basically, yelled, you know, oh, God, don't take my baby. Mm-hmm. And um, it just felt like so unreal, mm-hmm. but so final. You know, it had like both of those aspects. I'm just like, okay, this is not real. But then when it hit me, it's like, oh, yeah, it is. Um, I'm super final. So I think those were the 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 two things that went through my mind is just well and then you know how can this happen and how am I going to survive? <laughs> mm-hmm. So what did surviving look like for you for the next little while? Um, being busy, you know it it looked like um, getting all of the kids together. So we have eight children. Mm-hmm. And 
but we got all the kids together, went out to my oldest son's house because he lived on a ranch where there were lots of um, other like little cabins so that we could all gather together and try to figure out, you know, what, what our next step was. So I was really busy, busy getting that together, busy um, figuring out the program, busy, you know, getting everything printed, busy just, you know, talking about it and figuring out what we were going to do next. Um, and then, so that was the 20th. And so we met together for a couple of days, talked about everything, pretty much got everything, um, planned. And then, and then we all went home, um, for Christmas and then came back, um, two or three days after Christmas and her service was like December 31st. Mm -hmm. So it was a whirlwind and it was super busy. And, um, so right after that is, you know, I, I maybe took one or two more days off and then, um, went back to work after the first of the year. So being busy is what, is what survival looked like for me. Yeah. Yeah. Did that serve you well? How did, how did that work for you? Staying busy? Um, it served me well because I had learned also that I, I still needed to grieve and I needed to feel the feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did allow myself to do that. And I was in a position where that could happen. I had an office by myself. So um, (laughs) between patients, if I felt like I needed to cry or, you know, um, just take that minute of silence or whatever, I was able to do that. Um, So I felt like, and, and busy has just always kind of been my, you know, been my go-to because I always feel like I need to, and this might sound like a bad thing, but like for me, it's, it's not. So I always feel like I need to, um, be productive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always look like being super busy. It can mean to me also taking time to just be still and to feel what I'm feeling, but that still is productive to me because I'm still, you know, I'm still working toward, um, that grieving process and that recovery process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you've kind of recognized that feeling what you were feeling is really the pathway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And so many times I did, I would just, when I talk to people, I'm like, you know, I still don't know how I'm going to survive with a part of my heart and soul gone. Like, how do people survive? How do they do that? Mm-hmm. I was still trying to figure that out. And some days I still am. Yeah. Did you have a sense that it was possible, though? That it was possible to survive? To with survive that? and to, to move forward, yeah. I did. And the main thing that gave me that sense is that um, I kept thinking about w- how Kylie would want me to proceed with my life. Mm. So she was a go-getter. She was, um, I mean, she just had a work ethic like crazy. She just, she loved to be active and busy and serving people. And I knew that that is kind of the legacy that I needed to leave for, to like honor her as well, Mm -hmm. because I knew she couldn't do those things anymore physically. And so, um, it was my responsibility to heal and recover in a way that would honor that memory of her and not just, I mean, she would, 
you know, she'd probably like come down and haunt me or whatever if I just decided <laughs> to curl up in the ball and not be productive, you know, that she wouldn't like that at all. <laughs> how do you, how do you kind of uh, balance those two, those two things where you, you feel this need to grieve, but then you also have this sense that, that she, she wouldn't want you to be grieving forever um, right. she would want you to be going out and serving and doing. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, gosh, that's a good question. So I am busy and what I have done, um, with like with that memory and that legacy that I want to leave in honor of her, um, is we started a Facebook group called love hard project because after she died, there were, um, there were some women who I was in a, a weightlifting group with like a, um, uh, yeah, weightlifting group. And they started the hashtag, um, like flex for Kylie, first of all, and then, live happy and love hard. So -hmm. those were like these hashtags that just kind of came about as people started hearing her story. Um, and so I, I created the love hard project and that is a Facebook group. And that's where what I wanted for it mainly was just for it to be a place of really positive energy because at the time she died, you know, we were having all the political stuff and it was just super negative mm-hmm. a place where there was this really positive energy and just good things all the time. And then it kind of, um, then it kind of, transitioned the members are the ones actually that kind of transitioned it into a place where um, they also came to share their grief stories and they also came to ask for support and prayers and um, you know how do I how am I going to be able to live you know without my mom or without my my daughter you know whatever it was and so the members kind of shifted that and I just allowed that because I feel like um grief is so like still taboo, you know, even it's 2020 and we still don't talk about it and we still are uncomfortable with it. And so I just let them kind of go with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much what it's um, turned into being. So I created the group, which I felt like was um, a really good way to uh, honor her memory and let people talk about their grief. And then um, I just try to find things to keep, um, to keep myself serving. And like right now my passion is um, to end human trafficking. So I'm really, really into that. Um, and I'm in a group where we're really focusing on, on helping with that. So um, yeah, so I think just feeling that all and letting others come into that group and then also having my own passion where I am serving people because I know that that's what she would want me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it to honor her and to honor your own life too. Sounds like, yeah, that's good. So you mentioned before that like you've kind of stayed busy through all this, but you also allowed your, your feelings. Mm-hmm. Share with us a little bit about what that looks like, allowing your feelings. What does that look like for you? So I have a ritual um, for my mornings that I almost um, always do. I almost never forget to do it or 
you know, push it off. Um, and that, and part of that is um, being silent, like having um, at least 15 to 20 minutes before my day starts to just be silent, to feel what I'm, you know, the things that are coming up and how I'm going to um, handle those throughout the day um, so that I can just maybe more just have that clarity about how I'm, you know, how I'm going to handle whatever comes up during the day. And a lot of times it will be like those feelings of, um, of missing her. And, you know, the last times that we spent together talking for a long time, or, you know, just, just those things that come up that I remember, because one of the things that I think a lot of parents um, worry about is that they're going to forget what mm-hmm. their kid was like, or what they sounded like, or what, you know, the things that they did with them. And that's a really, real fear, you know, for me is like, I I don't know if I, you know, I'm going to remember all this stuff. So when it comes up, I make sure to write it down. Um, So the ritual is, is that, you know, just spending that time, um, you know, alone by myself and making sure that I don't skip that so that I, um, you know, can continue to feel like, the heartache or the loneliness or whatever I am, you know, that's, that's coming up for me that day. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of parents deal with having to go back to work just a few days after a child has died. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you went back to work after Christmas. just a few, few days after the end of the year, I guess. Uh, What, do you you have any thoughts, like any tips for parents that do find themselves in a position where they need to go back to work and they're still feeling that overwhelming heaviness and sadness? Um, yeah, my biggest tip and probably what the hardest thing to do is to just ask people for grace, mm-hmm. you know, to say, say I'm still really vulnerable right now. (laughs) I am still, I mean, like my feelings are just like right here, you know, on just, I'm wearing them just right here. And so if, if I need you, you know, can you please be available for me? Or, you know, can you, can you, like I work in a, in the medical field. And so there was a time just not very long ago, like about a month ago, I was just having a hard week. And so, um, I, but I was able to say, you know what, I'm having a really hard time right now. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so if you, you know, if you see me struggling, can you please go room my patient or, you know, whatever it was I was doing. And my work family is so amazing. And they just pitched in if they saw that I was struggling they um asked me what i needed and you know not everybody is blessed to have a work family like that and not everybody is blessed to have someone come in and take over for them if they need but i really do feel like that's the main thing you know if you have to go back to work and those feelings are still so raw um and so new um we just need to learn to ask and you know most of the time when we do that people are very, very uh, willing to help. Like we just don't think they are because we want to be self-sufficient. You know, we don't want to ask for help. We want to be the ones that are helping people. 
but it's also nice to let other people have the blessings of helping out as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think coming from a place of being willing to help others, it gives you, I think it makes it a little easier to ask for help too. Sometimes, sometimes. And I, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a huge, huge tip for people is that they really do have to be more transparent. They mm-hmm. can't go back to work with just this, I'm the same person I was before because you're not, you're not right. the same person you were before, right? Yeah, not at all. Yeah. And so it's, I, I think when we can, when we can communicate to people how we're feeling, the help that we need, or, and and why we're responding the way we are, they're much more likely to be in our corner to understand what's going on. There's less likelihood of misunderstanding because if you just go back like I'm the same person and then those emotions invariably come out and then people think, well, maybe it's me. And then, you know, they don't even know, they don't understand. Because like you said earlier, grief has been taboo. I, I I don't understand it. I why it is that way because we all experience loss. Everybody mm-hmm. experiences loss, which means we all experience grief and why we make it this hidden taboo off topic, I don't know. Tell me a little bit more about kind of your discoveries about the taboo of grief and maybe the things that you've learned about grief that you didn't know before. Yeah, so um after after Kylie died, probably it was a year, and I moved to a different um, a different little town. And this town has a grief support group. And my old or my daughter that lives here um, went to that support group. It was shortly after Kylie died, actually, um, that round of the of the support group. But um, she recommended it to me, and so I I went to to the group. And, um, I had some really, so I thought that I went there to, to talk about like my grief journey with Kylie, but I really soon discovered that I had not grieved my parents' death and not, not in a healthy way because, you know, I was 19 when they died and I took my um, brother and sister who were 15 and 13 into my home and, um, I don't remember one single time, like sitting them down and saying, you guys, you know, how are you feeling? What, what, do, what can I help you with? What can I, because I, and I never let them see me cry because at that point in my life, I thought, oh, I, do, I have to be strong for my brother and sister. You know, now I, you know, I am their sibling, but I'm also now kind of like their parent. And so it was a really weird and hard like relationship kind of transition, but that is in my head how I felt, how I felt like I needed to grieve. And I don't know who put that there. I don't know where that came from other than just, you got to be strong for someone else, you know, forget about you for a minute and be strong for these, you know, for these teenage kids. Um, so I learned really quickly that I, that I didn't grieve them, um, in a healthy manner or even thoroughly, you know? And so now I'm kind of, um, on the work of, of getting that process under my belt. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well with that, but I just, I just wish that I would have been more available 
for them as far as like, you know, what are your feelings? I mean, they, they were 13 and 15 mm-hmm. and they didn't have that outlet, you know? So, so what I, what I've learned is that, um, you know, to, to let it be open and to let them talk about their, their loved one that they have lost, if they feel comfortable doing that, but, but don't ever like not say the person's name because you're afraid that it's going to bring up bad memories or, you know, make them sad or whatever. And it might make them sad, but what's even more sad is that their loved one it is forgotten if you don't speak their name and if you don't allow them to grieve them as well. Um, so that's probably the biggest takeaway is just learning, um, learning the, the difference from when I was younger and whatever got into my head at that point that I was supposed to be strong for everyone and then transitioning into being um, more vulnerable and asking people for help and telling them how I feel mm-hmm. and not hiding that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so many gold nuggets in what you just talked about. So yeah. many important things. This idea that we have to be strong. I, you know, I imagine you as a 19 year old being put in this position where all of a sudden you are the adult. Mm-hmm. You are the the person that they're looking to. So it makes sense that you would have had this thought that you know I just have to be strong. I can't. I can't let down my guard. I'm the, I'm the adult now. So this is how we adult. I think the problem is, is that we, as a society, we don't talk about emotions and feelings. We, we don't, we don't acknowledge our emotions and feelings. And we, we think of it almost as a weakness to have emotions when in reality, that's our strength. Otherwise we're robots, Right. (laughs) you know? So exactly. uh Our emotions are, are really important. And, this idea that to be open and to talk about, you know, to talk about the people that we've lost so that they are remembered in our day-to-day, in our experiences, in our conversations, uh, really, really important. And this, I, when, when you're, when we're able to be vulnerable with other people, it gives them permission to be vulnerable also. Have you found Mm -hmm. that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those that, um, it was very interesting when, when I started in the um, grief support group, we were all just a little bit guarded, Uh you know, because number one, we didn't know each other. There were a few of them that knew each other, but I was brand new in town. I didn't know anybody. Um, And so we were all a little bit guarded and, you know, we all felt pretty vulnerable, but by the time you know, by the time we all got done, we were all just like, oh, um, wow, I'm not crazy. You know, I, people, there's someone else that feels this way. Um, I'm not, I'm not the only one that can't focus on things for more than two minutes, you know? And so just, just those little things that, that we all had problems with at the, at the beginning and maybe still, but we, we found out that there were more people out there like us. And then that made us feel like, and there are even more people out there that aren't in this class. People are walking around all over the world who have experienced horrible loss. Mm-hmm. And we're not the only ones, you know, we're not alone, but hopefully when we, 
meet those people that have experienced loss. We can also, um, you know, have that compassion and empathy for them because we know what it feels like to lose someone. Yeah. So talk a little bit about compassion. How has your, how has your compassion changed through this experience? Well, you know, before, um, before losing a child, the thing in your head is like, oh my gosh, the worst thing I can think of is losing a child. Even people who don't have children say Mm -hmm. that that's their worst, that they would think that that was the worst thing that could happen to someone is losing a child. And so, you know, you're walking around out there and someone loses a child and you, like for me, I didn't know what to say. You know, I, I'm mostly what I said was, I don't have any words for this because I have no idea how it is. It's got to be horrible. And so, you know, but let me know if there's anything I can do, or I would just do something for someone. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas now I can maybe put more of a voice to it and I can say, um, you know, I could say something like, you know, that hole in your heart really sucks, doesn't it? And to just be open and and out like that with how I felt about it and how I'm pretty sure most people who've lost children feel about it. um, I think it helps people to relax a little bit, number one, and they can be like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, that's exactly what I feel like. There's a hole in my heart and this really does feel horrible. I hate it. And then we can kind of talk about that. So so the compassion has changed from just like this – general thing of, I don't know what to say, but it must be awful to being able to pinpoint how someone might feel, or, you know, I hate, I, I could say, I hated how that hole in my heart felt, you know, what do you hate about this? Mm -hmm. And then we can kind of open up that um, discussion, but always make sure to tell them, I don't ever say I know how you feel because I don't know how they feel. I know how it feels to lose a child. And that's what I say. It's like, you know, I I do not know how you feel having lost your child. But I know for me, losing my child felt awful. I hated it. And I'm still, you know, whatever. I'm still, I still hate it. It still sucks. And um, so I make sure to let their grief be their own grief because it's not mine. I don't, I don't know what they feel like to grieve, but I know what it feels like to lose a kid. So, yeah. yeah. So if you had, if you could share just like one or two, maybe more things that you feel like were pivotal for you in your own journey through grief and recovery, what, what would those things be? Well, some of the things that, um, I am working out in, uh, you know, that I'm writing about in my um, program is, um, first of all, I was so blessed to be able to have done some, some inner work, like before this happened, I was kind of like working on myself because I'd had some other things go on. Um, So just kind of being able to dig deep and pull that stuff out of there and face it and like get rid of it. That was a huge help. Um, But if we're talking about um, just the things that, um, you know, that kind of help me on a day-to-day basis, um, being grateful, having my gratitude journal and not skipping that when the horrible things happen 
it was huge for me. Like, even if it's just three little things that I write down every day and putting it on paper and actually writing it, you know, helps me keep it in my head um, better. So I always do a gratitude journal. Journaling in particular, I have to admit that I'm not super great at that, like just writing out my feelings and stuff. Um, but I do have a journal that one of my very good friends gave, um, sent me after Kylie died. And it just has little prompts in there, things that like I might not think about um, to write to write about. And sometimes I'm okay and I can do that. And other times it just brings back too much stuff. So I can't. So, so journaling once in a while works for me and sometimes it doesn't. Um, being out in nature by myself is um, almost... I like I have to do that. I have to get out and I have to do that at least, you know, once a week, like on a weekend or something, um, taking a walk after work, whatever it happens to be. But nature is really where um, I feel like I healed the most. Um, that was the most I can I can think when I'm there. I can like concentrate and um, and, and just the. I guess just like the the quiet and the beauty that's there just soothes my soul. And so that helps me so much. Um, and then also, you know, making sure that you take care of yourself because um, it's hard to get sleep sometimes when you're so upset and when you're so worried about things. Um, but making sure that, you know, I get enough sleep and making sure that I'm taking care of myself and even if it's just like one day I concentrate on drinking enough water, that's, mm -hmm. that's my thing. That's my self care thing for the day. Um, and then we talked about this, but probably I would say at the top of my list, and this is when people, you know, this is like when you feel like you can get out and you can start doing that. But I feel like the sooner, the better, um, is to find some way to serve find some way to serve someone else. There's people out there all the time that need, that need service. And um, especially if you can look at it in the way that your loved one is not here and able to do that physically anymore. So it's your responsibility to kind of, you know, go out and do the things that you are still capable of doing um, and in their honor. So that's what helps me the most. It's like, okay, what would, you know, what can I do to serve somebody that would be honorable um, for, you know, the mission that I'm trying to accomplish in, um, you know, leaving a legacy in honor of Kylie and leaving a legacy for myself? You know, what, what would she be proud of me for? If that's how you have to do it, then then do it that way because service is one of the things that you know when you're lost in the service of someone else um all of your trouble seems to be just a little less important mm -hmm. or a little less you know it's not as big and it doesn't take over your life um as much so those are the things that i would say are probably um the most important things for me and finding something that you're that you're really passionate about you know like i mentioned i'm passionate about you know, we're recording this on July 30th, which is um, World Against Trafficking Day. And so, um, you know, just find something that you're super passionate about and just um, donate or volunteer wherever you can. And um, in honor of your of your loved one, if that's how you have to, you know, get yourself out there and um, start serving people.
Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, I do think that there is something to serving others and, and it's, it doesn't always have to be in huge organized ways. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people who have, who have experienced so much healing from just doing it in an organized way, like volunteering for an organization an hour or two hours a week or something, something like that. Or, you know, in my own experience, after my kids died, I was, it was my daughter's birthday. So my daughter was 10 and my son was eight when they died in a car accident. And it was my daughter's birthday. And it, it, it had been a couple of years after the accident and I was in a doctor's office and I just overheard one of the nurses on the phone t- trying to make arrangements for her brother's funeral. Mm. And they were having trouble because they didn't have the money to pay for it. And as I listened, I just kept thinking, there's got to be something I can do. And I, I just gave, I, I gave her a check. I like wrote out a check and I said, I don't, I don't know if this little bit will help. And I'm sorry I overheard your conversation, but I was in the same room. So she had to have known. <laughs> right. <laughs> would have heard. And, and it just was, it just made my heart happy to, I felt like this is my gift today for my daughter. Oh, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and so it's just kind of like opening our eyes a little bit to, to things that we can do. And, and it can be such small little things. We just see somebody struggling, going through a parking lot, trying to carry their bags. I mean, right now we've got coronavirus going on. So people might be <laughs> yeah. a little cautious if you come and say, can I help you with that? But it's, uh, it, it is just kind of opening our eyes to the fact that other people might be are, are suffering also. Mm-hmm. I, but I think when you, when you do the, the, the work that you're doing where you're, you're vocal about your experience and you're vulnerable about, you know, how hard it is and, and the things that you have to do to, to, you know, and one thing that I wanted to just mention is as you've talked, I've thought about like one of the keys to rebuilding to healing and then rebuilding is willingness and it, and you have really demonstrated a willingness to do the work of grief yeah, to not it's just work it's that. hard work it is work yeah it's definitely work and it's you know a lot of times we 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 hear the old saying time heals all wounds and we think that if we just sit around long enough this is not really the way it works and the, the fact that you're willing to go to a support group the fact that you're willing to go out and give yourself that time in nature that you're willing to ask for help and to to be vulnerable and saying look you know i'm having a hard week or this is hard and this is what what i might i might not show up the way that i did before in fact i won't uh, is is super important. Yeah. I would love for you to share what you're doing now. You know, kind how people can find you, and any other last minute, um, last not last minute, but any last <laughs> thoughts that you have. Okay, thank you. So, um, I have a group on Facebook called it's hashtag Love Hard Project. And that's the group I talked about a little bit earlier. And then um, you can find my little grief cheat sheet that is kind of a precursor to the program that I am writing um, at tellgrieftotakeahike.com. 
and um, that'll just give you the little overview of it and then um, you know put you on a list so that you know when I have launched my product and you'll just get all the little goodies after that um, and then uh, love hard project also I have a Facebook page love hard project okay so um, we're just kind of in the new stages of things kind of deciding you know how we want to go about this and you know what that's all gonna look like but I really am excited to get my program out and you know just hope that I that I shared something that is of value to someone that they have been struggling with and my experience maybe has helped them just a little bit um, feel that little nudge or that push to do the work of healing and do the work of um, of grieving. And you know, you're right. Time doesn't heal everything. It's what you do with that time that is going to help you heal. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so much for being with us, Gailene. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great. I want to thank Gaylene for sharing her story with such vulnerability and rawness and helping us learn as we go through our own journeys. So thank you, Gaylene. I want, before we go, I want to ask you a favor. If you have found this episode helpful or the other episodes that you've listened to of Build a Life After Loss, will you please rate and review the podcast? That would be so helpful and it helps others find it. And as always, I want to remind you that if you need help with your own grief and your own journey and moving forward, I highly recommend you schedule your free discovery call. It is free. It is free. We'll talk. And I think you'll find it very, very helpful. Have a beautiful week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.